a new year. And the media always like to trot out the best of award shows and retrospective looks back. Okay, we're players. We'll play too. For the next hour, from the press box to press row, we'll be looking back at some of the highlights of our short time on the air. And because he's sitting behind the good mic in a custom-fit blazer, here's your host, Donald Ware. Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa to you and yours from all of us here at Fox to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. As you heard, it's going to be our year-end review show. We're going to take a listen back to some of our most memorable conversations from January through June here on the program. But before we can do that, you know, we've got a guest on today's program. Got to get to him. Robert Covington, formerly of Tennessee State. He's now in his eighth season in the NBA, currently with the Portland Trailblazers. Going to join us on the program. Generally, this entire show would have consisted of uh, listen backs to conversations from some of the great interviews that we had, but we had an opportunity with the NBA season beginning to get Robert Covington on the line. So we're going to do that today here on the program. Very much looking forward to talking with him. You know, he's been, this is his fourth team in two years. He's an NBA all defensive first team selection going back to 2018 sharpshooter from the three from the three point arc and an excellent defender. Services are needed. People call, they make trades, etc. Now he's with the Portland Trailblazers who just got a lot better by adding Robert Covington to the program. Again, conversations from January through June here on the program should be a lot of fun. We do this each and every year on the program. Join us on the program here on Box to Row. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Hope you're continuing to be safe and being responsible, enjoying your time with family responsibly. We're trying to get past this coronavirus 2020 is coming to an end, 2021, right around the corner as people begin to get vaccinated. But we must remember to remain diligent and to continue to stay safe. So we always have fun with these year-end review shows. We've been doing this now. This is our 16th year-end review show. A lot of fun. It really takes me back because even in the midst of, of doing this show each and every week. And of course, thank you for your support of the program and for tuning in each and every week. You forget about some of the conversations that you've had with various guests. And it's great because you get to kind of, we get to kind of go back. We look at uh, a lot of the interviews that we have. And believe me, some of the interviews, I mean, we wish we could have all of them. Some of them just don't. Uh, just don't make it because you're, there's just not enough time to have everyone on. Every guest on this program is super important, and we wish we could have them all, but some uh, we're just unable to get to. But it's so interesting because, I, you know, we go back, and I'm like, wow, I, I didn't even remember that we had that person 
on the program or we had this person on the program or we I do remember and I'll say, well, wow, he that he said that she said that I didn't remember that. That's important to really air on today as we take this listen back. So it's a lot of fun. Enjoy doing it. We've done it again. This is the 16th year that we've done it. We began it in 2005 when the program began and just really enjoy doing it uh, very much so. And want you to remember that you can listen to any of these conversations that we've had pretty in their entirety, pretty much all of the conversations on our various websites, you know, box to row.com. You could also go on our box to row on YouTube page as well to listen or to watch some of these interviews in this whole COVID-19. It's allowed for more uh, videos, more zoom uh, conversations, etc. So I invite you to visit either box to row.com or also to visit our box to row on YouTube page. So let's do this. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Portland Trailblazers, small forward, NBA all-defensive first-team selection, Robert Covington, as you're locked into Box to Rose 2020. Year-end review. You've got us on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM or on your favorite radio station. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. All right, enough selling stuff already. As we bring you the very best of From the Press Box to Press Row, here's your host, Donald Ware. There's a Christmas tree in a Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his eighth season in the NBA, currently with the Portland Trailblazers. As a matter of fact, the Trailblazers are going to take on his old team, on Saturday, the Houston Rockets, a former Tennessee State star and box to row, three-time box to row All-American, Robert Covington, joins us here on Box to Row. Merry Christmas to you, Rob. Yeah, Merry Christmas, man. Man, it's great to have you. How, how are things going in Portland? I mean, I know you're just kind of getting out there. It's sort of been an interesting, really, four, uh, two years for you. This is the Trailblazers, now your, your fourth NBA team. Man, it's been a uh, it's been a transition. Uh, like I said, four teams, two years, quick turnaround. A lot of a lot of situations. It, it just shows the value that you have and you know what you bring. So you know, a lot of teams are hiring. So for me, you know, it's a great opportunity. You know, to be wanted by so many different teams. You know, it's a, it's the way that, that the league is. You know, having the opportunity. You know, for me, you know, with my story and how I've been have my transition into the league you know it's been nothing short of amazing so you know for me like I said it's just about your hard work you know everything that you've been putting into everything and you know just going about it so you know for me I've been thankful for it truly because that's an honor and blessing and, and never settle because like you said 
you don't ever want to not have that value for yourself. You know, always want to you want to play in this game as long as possible. Yeah, no, I think that's that that's like the, that's the way to look at it, like the value you have. That's why because all of these teams, uh, the Rockets, the Seventy Sixers, uh, and of course, ultimately now. Uh, the Blazers look at the value that you have. And, of course, we must mention that you were NBA all-defensive first team uh, back in 2018. So how are you settling in? I mean, you know, you got new teammates, Damian Lillard and Carmelo Anthony and, you know, uh, Nurkic and all these guys, C.J. McCollum. How how are you sort of gelling with these guys to this point? Oh, we did. We great. We'd be great, you know. To get they've done a good job of helping me with my transition into you know offense. Uh, you know, I've done a lot as far as you know helping them out on defense in a lot of different ways, and um, just you know they've accepted me very well. You know, the team organization have been high on me, and you know, I love what I bring. So, you know, getting acclimated to everything has been nothing short of you know a smooth transition. Yeah, and I know you got to feel like, okay, you're that piece. Like, this is a, a team that was sort of on that bubble, if you will, went to the bubble, ultimately got that eight seed. I mean, really really surprised the Lakers in that very first uh, game, and ultimately the Lakers went on to win it. But, I mean, you got to feel like, and they've got to feel like, you're that piece to take the Trailblazers to the next level. Man, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. Bring my grit, my my mindset, and you know just my overall tenaciousness, you know, on the team. So that's what it's all about, man. You know, just you know helping the organization get to that next level. And like you said, I've been a value piece for so many different for so many different teams, and so many different people saying so much in me. So you know, I love what I bring here, and you know the organization loves what I bring here too. So you know, I'm just ready to get to work. You know, I don't want to shortchange you because, I mean, it's so many. Like, you were the D-League Player of the Year, D-League All-Star MVP, going back some years fresh out of, you know, Tennessee State. You mentioned, and I think you hit it right on the head in terms of, you know, what you've been to to get, you know, to this particular point. But with that, it's a business side. Like, the NBA is a business. Has it worn on you in terms of being with your fourth team in the last two years and not really been able to, have settled in a city uh, per se? No, it hasn't bothered me. Um, the first transition, yes, it did. Uh, but, you know, I've I've had a different mindset through, you know, the past couple years. You know, a lot of different things have changed around me mentally, physically, emotionally. Presences have been, you know, coming, gone. You know, it's just been an overall cleanse in a lot of different ways. So mentally, I've been able to really – gather my thoughts in a different mindset in a different way and it has helped me throughout all of this that the voice of robert covington in his eighth season in the nba's currently with the portland trailblazers he joins us here on box to row i think interestingly enough your time with houston is interesting because you guys play houston i mean in the trailblazers on saturday and you came in and really were an instant spark i remember i forget maybe your first or second game it was a nationally televised game. You had a phenomenal game. You were an instant spark to Houston. What was your time in Houston like? This is the second time around because initially your first team in the NBA was Houston. And I remember going back to that first year where you were splitting your time between the Vipers and the Houston Rockets during the playoff time. So this time around, what was your time like in Houston? 
Uh, it was good. The organization, you know, like I said, there's a different, lot of different things that, you know, went on and, you know, being an abnormal season. Uh, like I said, I just went in and did what I was supposed to do. Um, you know, it wasn't too much that, you know, uh, they, that they did. We, we didn't, we didn't practice like that. Um, you know, cause we had, we was a veteran, more veteran team. So, I mean, it was easy for me to get in, you know, concepts, everything and the way they the style of play, it was easy. Um, just the transition. So, you know, it was good for me to be, you know, in that situation for my family, you know, being in, getting from out the cold weather to, you know, nice weather, nicer weather. You know, my dog, my, my dogs and stuff enjoyed it, you know, the weather. And just overall, like I said, you know, different, different, I've seen a lot of different faces that, uh, not different, but familiar faces while I was there. So it was, it was a easy, it was an easy transition there because like I said, I have friends and family you know, they're in Houston. So, um, it was, it was, it was smooth. It was smooth. You know, the time, the team was, was, was all right. And, you know, we just all had to, you know, lock in in, in different ways. You know, we, it, we had the opportunity to really take it, you know, to the next level, but, you know, we came up short. So, you know, it was unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, moving forward, I'm here in Portland now trying to you know, bring I'm trying to bring that whole same mindset here. Yeah. No question about it. Last thought uh on Houston. What was it like playing with James Hart? I know we've heard a lot of uh you know different things in the last week or so with respect to him. I mean what what was that situation? I think this was your second time around also playing with James Harden. So what was that like? I mean it was, you know, what we how can I say? People seeing how how it was. Um, we know we we read off, we fed off of him. You know, read read and react pretty much. Um, and so, how can I say? As like I said, it's a re- read and react. You know, he had the ball in his hands majority of the time. So, you know, we just had to you know play off of him and. And, and you know, just kind of keep everything, keep everything together. Yeah. And kind of keep everything together. You know, it, was a, it was a unique situation with him and Russ, and you know, all the pieces with the small ball. So it was a lot of different dynamics that played into it. And it was very successful for us for a while, but you know, teams started to catch on to it. Uh, so for you, you you found some time. I don't know. I mean, I, I realize you had a little bit of an offseason. How how is that adjustment for you? Uh, you know, this this small time in terms of an offseason. It wasn't that much time uh, until you guys are ready to rock and roll. Now, w- what kind of adjustment has that been like? Uh, more specifically for you. Uh, I mean, it's kind of you know ramp fast pace, you know, I didn't really get a chance to, you know, do a lot because, like I said, I had to pick up, move a month and a half later after everything, after playoffs finished. I had to move, pick up, move a month and a half. Was told one thing, you know, something else happened. So, I mean, like, it's something, but this time around, like I said, it's it's the sources that, you know, said a lot of stuff was happening. So, man, I was preparing for you know every anything that was going to happen, you know, possibility I would have stayed in Houston, um, but it was a lot, 
lot of speculation, a lot of stuff that my agent was hearing that was referring to that I was gonna get traded. So, uh, so you know, I, I mean, my my mindset, you know, was you know just prepare for the, whatever's next, whether I'm in Houston, whether I'm in another team. And like I said, it was a, a transition that was a lot easier for me because, like I said, I was already preparing for it, the unexpected. Yeah. Uh, was it dis- – I mean, like, so I, I think about John Wall, all his his years in Washington, you know, trade rumors come about. He uh, reportedly at least asked uh, to be traded. To your point, you mentioned trade things were coming out. Like, was that was that a bit of a – it's a business, right? But it was that a bit of a – I don't know, a disappointment sounds like you weren't necessarily happy with it, but you would have, I mean, you're where you are. I'm sure you're happy, but you wouldn't have minded staying in Houston. I mean, at this point, it's all, it's, like I said, it's a business. You can't expect, you know, one thing. you just got to take everything day by day. No, I've been to, I've been to one thing, one thing a couple of times and something else has happened. You know, my time in Minnesota, you know, Gershon him came to me and told me uh, that you know it was a possibility that I was going I was going to get traded. So they already warned me. And then, like I said, I I had a leak source already that was already telling me that I was I was on the way to Houston. Um, so it was an easier trans like I said easier transition. And like I said, knowing that I was going to be somewhere else, uh, and with everything going about, like I said, it was just a quick turnaround. So. Like you say, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. You know, something sometimes the one thing said, but then you know, behind closed doors, you don't know what's being said. So, Portland Trail Blazers small forward Robert Covington joins us here in the program. So, even in the midst of all of that, Rob, you were able to find time to go back to your alma mater and make a donation for a center that's going to be called the Covington Pavilion. Tell us about it. What led you to ultimately do this? Um, you know, initially me and the coach, uh, Coach Penny, talked about it months ago. Um, and we talked about something that would be a game changer for the program, not only for the program, but for me as well. You know, something that I can leave my legacy on. And, you know, I've, I've left my imprint on TSU. I can walk around at campus and you know, a lot of people know who I am. So, you know, for me to be that threshold um, to leave my mark, you know, it, it's just something that the, the team needed, you know, because being HBCU, our junior team is a lot going on at once. Yeah. It's a lot going on at once. So, for me, doing that, it gives the basketball team time to really, you know, really focus. Because, like I said, it'd be a lot of times there's a lot going on at once. You got classes, you got basketball, you got track, you got sometimes base football in there, like the volleyball team could be in there some days. Like it's a lot of different things that could go apart. And so, you know, just for them to have that and just strictly be for basketball, like it'd be from it's phenomenal because then, you know, it's, it'd be times where sometimes the floor is covered or the rent you down. But if you have a, a arena a facility that, you know, you can go in and do all that. Man, what like what more need to be said? Yeah, no, it, it's a beautiful thing, man. Last thought: What do you remember most? I mean, I remember you know you talked about it before in this show. Didn't have any scholarship offers other than to uh, Tennessee State uh, out of Illinois. So, w- what do you remember most about those days at TSU? Uh, the battles, the conditioning, 
just the prep for everything. You know, my first three years was phenomenal. I had a great, um, I had a great time. My senior year was a uh, a whirlwind of things, um, but I mean, my time there was was nothing short of amazing. You know, I built some of the, the best bonds. You know, I met some of my brothers for life, and you know, just them overall memories and battles that we had together. Like those are the moments that I that I missed the most. You know, going into battle with them guys is what, you know, what molded me, what, you know, projected put us in this position today. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, for me, that's been the, it's always been, um, it's always been phenomenal. Like, and I, and I never take that for, take that, you know, for granted. You know, them, them still my close, some of my closest friends. And I, and I never look anything short of, like, you know, them, them guys are my brothers. And like I said, my time with my coach, uh, John Cooper and the staff that we had, um, you know, it, it really was, it really was a bond that, that would be life, life, uh, life long. And for me, like I said, I still talk to him to this day. I still talk to him to this day. Me and his family are still very close. You know, he he's crazy. He just moved to to Texas, and I left Texas. I was like, at some point, he, we we never we'd be in the same city at one point. Yeah, but it, it's it's always been a phenomenal, you know, time to you know have those have those memories, have those bonds, and like look back and still see how strong we all are today. Like I said, we all still are very very close. We still talk, you know, throughout the the various various times. But like I said, I miss the most, you know, just going into battle with my brothers. Again, he was two NBA. Uh, 2018 All-Defensive First Team, former three-time Bochtero All-American out of Tennessee State, small forward for the Portland Trail Blazers, Robert Covington. Follow him on Twitter, at Holla at Rob, joins us here on Bochtero. The Rockets uh, are at the Trail Blazers on Saturday. Once again, Rob, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, continued success in all you do. Yeah, I appreciate you. If you want to react to anything that Robert Covington had to say, hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W, 2020 year-end review, beginning with the month of January, and some of our most memorable conversations is up next. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember most about your days at Howard. Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience, and I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that 
they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I, I've grown in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression, and that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen, and people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult, and I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Akila memory out their head, but realizing Akila also has, you know, has grown up. I don't ever want to be typecasted as just the sweet hosting girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That's the voice, of course, of T.I. It's some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, you know. No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now. Well, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. We gotta, hey, 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 look, man, we gotta, we gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> that is the voice of Maria Taylor, ESPN college sports analyst. College Game Day is a show that I grew up watching, a, a show that I've always loved. I knew that when I was uh, able to join, I was more than excited. I found out the same week as I turned thirty. And it's just something that I never dreamed I would be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season. And there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box, the press roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm trying my best to find an open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Ali had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I'd run the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women might feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because he was against his religion. Mm-hmm. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Clay, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, Beauty Football League has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, 
uh, after I cheered in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout. So, and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to from the press box to press row. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. Without further ado, it's our 2020 year-end review show here on Box to Row. So the year started off, well, I tell you what, the year started off uh, really tragically towards the latter part of January when Kobe Bryant uh, passed away, died in a helicopter crash along with his daughter and seven others. It was definitely tragic. You don't generally hear uh, people that are that young, that famous, et cetera, that pass away just goes to show you that you can be taken away from here at any time. So please make sure that you're right with God that you believe and you will have eternal life. So uh, January, let's 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 take a look at the month of January. We've had some great guests here on the program uh, January started off really really well and one of the guests that we had on the program in January the one and only Joe Gibbs pro football hall of famer and then in January inducted into the NASCAR hall of fame also joined us on box to row well when you get uh, something like this and you think about it for me my entire life has been teams and I found that I was a very poor athlete, so I made up my mind I was always going to be in team sports, <laughs> not individual sports. And if you do that, you can kind of hide on good teams and get some of the credit when you win. And I've done the same thing in NASCAR, really. Uh, we got great people, you know, over 500 people there working at um, our race team, and they've done the work, and then I get shoved up front. Um, but I've been so blessed to – I know – I'm one of the most, I guess, luckiest people in the world because I've been able to enjoy two great times in my life and careers, football and racing. Most people in life never get one, and I've got two. So I, I realized how fortunate I am and how many people it took to get me here. <laughs> the one and only Joe Gibbs also joining us in the month of January Singer Will Downing joined us on the program. Will is an alum of Virginia Union and talked about his days at VUU. When I was there, man, you know, Oakley was there. Yeah. Oh, man, he was like the dude to watch. You know what I mean? And 
And but what was so interesting about the school that I went to, and, and we didn't even, it wasn't even big enough. We didn't have our own band. <laughs> so you, you walk across the street, and we played on. We didn't have our own field. We played on like the high school field, you know, right. across the street from the school, man. So just to imagine these players that came out of Union. Some of them going pro, whether it be in basketball or football, whatever it may be, and then even the the, the ladies' basketball team, unfreaking believable to this day, yeah. you know. So, man, it, it, an amazing school, amazing athletes. You find amazing talent all over the world, all over the country. Will Downing remembering his days at Virginia Union again in the month of January. Kobe Bryant passing away, tragically killed in a helicopter crash and to start the month of February had a chance to catch up with his, one of his former teammates, Lindsay Hunter, who played of course his collegiate basketball at Jackson state ultimately won a couple of championships, one with the Pistons and one as a teammate of Kobe Bryant with the Lakers talk with him about his time with the now late Kobe Bryant. You know, we we just knew that, that um, how he approached the game. Um, that anytime you played in Kobe, man, you 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 had your hands full. Um, he was very uh, studious about the game and um, and just how uh, ferocious he competed. Um, you know, top two most competitive people that have ever played in the NBA, and you know, of course, he idolized Michael. And, and emulated that Michael did, and and you know to this day he's the closest thing we had to to playing like Michael. And then for you that 2001-2002 season when you signed uh, or when you were with the Lakers, um, playing with him, what what was that like? And you guys, of course, won um, that uh, NBA championship. Well, you know, and that was my first time uh, being on a championship uh, level team. So it uh, you know I learned so much about. Um, what it really took and how much work, you know, get to that point. Um, and, and watching Kobe, uh, I got to see firsthand next level his preparation was. It was second to none, knowing what he had already put in for the summer. I had so much respect because, you know, I consider myself a worker. I, I take pride in hard work. Lindsey Hunter talking about being a teammate of and playing against the one and only Kobe Bryant continuing in the month of February had a chance to be at the Daytona 500 media day. It was a whole lot of fun in Daytona beach. It was great. Had a chance to talk with a whole lot of drivers and had a chance to catch up with for the first time in person. He's been a guest on this show many a time, the one and only Bubba Wallace. It's been a, certainly a a year uh, to say the least, for Bubba Wallace, but again, prior to the Daytona 500, had a chance to catch up with him right here on Box to Row. There is only one driver from an African-American background at the top level of our sport. I am the one. You're not going to stop hearing about the black driver for years. Embrace it, accept it, and enjoy the journey. Sort of speak to that. Yeah, so that was a lot of people get uh, frustrated over that because they feel like I am throwing race into the context here and and this all sparked after a um after an interview i did uh and the headline read as a black driver Hmm. and a lot of fans attacked that outlet 
and we're like, it's not about race. It's, 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 he's a driver at the end of the day. Everybody's making it about race. And so I was simply saying, hey, yes, media outlets are going to get the clickbait if they put black driver at the headlines. That's going to make you click on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just put another driver that happens to be black, they're going to they're gonna skip over it. So it's, it's all about the headlines these days. So I'm, ex- I'm saying stop getting annoyed and stop getting frustrated. I'm, I, I deal with it. It's fine. So just let's enjoy it together. Let's just get through it all. Not me saying like, yep, I'm the black guy here. We're, we're going to – you're going to stop hearing about me. It was more along the lines of the fans like, hey, it's cool. I've, I've been dealing with that for, for a while now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was in reference to a pinned tweet that Bubba Wallace had, at least at that time, at the top of his Twitter handle, asked him about it. You heard his response. But I guess little did he know that that was that was nothing compared to what would ultimately happen, uh, especially when you're talking about uh, the noose uh, situation, uh, social injustice, et cetera. So uh, a a, a tough uh, year for Bubba Wallace, but a new beginning in 2021 as he's going to be a driver for Michael Jordan and Kevin Harvick keeping in the month of February here on Pots to Rose. We take a look back at the year 2020 had a chance. It was announced at the beginning of February that North Carolina A&T was going to leave the MEAC to join the big South for the beginning, the 2021, 2022 season athletic season. And I had a chance to catch up with Earl Hilton, the director of athletics at North Carolina A&T, and talk with him about why North Carolina A&T decided to make the move. Uh, Great question, Donald. Uh, As we suggested at the press conference, this is something we begin as an institution looking at uh, late 2014, early 2015, um, as we were watching what was happening in Division One sports across the country with a number of other institutions, uh, Division One institutions and conference realignments, uh, we began to assess our own position uh, in that environment and wanted to have a clear picture of where we stood and, and what was, as always, in the best interest of our student-athletes and the institution. So we we began, you know, we hired a consultant um, who prepared a report for us in 2015. And every couple of years after that, we would bring that report back out and look at it, update it, and and assess the situation again in, in Division One college sports. Uh, where are we? What, what's happening around us? What does the world look like? What is uh, in the best interest of our student-athletes and, and North Carolina A&T? And so we continued that process for a number of years. And then, again, as, you, as you're aware, uh, last summer, 2019, a decision was made for us to spend some real time on this based on what we were seeing in the environment and, and what we understood to be happening in Division One sports. Uh, the decision was made by the Board of Trustees that we take a deep dive on this. And uh, to that end, they formed a committee which began to look uh, in some earnest at the 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 reports, the feasibility studies, and the uh, environment in which Division I athletics at A&T operates. 
based on, on that assessment, a decision was made that this would be the appropriate time for us to announce a, a realignment in our conference association and membership. Earl Hilton on North Carolina A&T's move from the MEAC to the Big South. You're locked into Box to Row. It's our 2020 year-end review show. I'm your host, Donald Ware. Super excited. We always have a great time with this show and looking back uh, over this, the year 2020. We've been doing this since 2005. So sit back, relax, enjoy your holiday, enjoy this program as Box to Rose 2020 year-end review rolls on. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews, to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. All right, enough selling stuff already. As we bring you the very best of From the Press Box to Press Row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree. Welcome back to Box to Row. It's our 2020 year-end review show here on the program. And remember, most of these interviews that we're playing today can be found on our respective websites, BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com, the interviews in their entirety, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Radio-Boss.com, Radio-Boss.com as well. Got some great interviews. We had a, we had a, a solid 2020, even though the year itself was extremely difficult. Let's move on to the month of March. And we had a chance to have one of the foremost civil rights leaders on our program. Dr. Ben Chavis joined us on Box to Row. We talked about a number of things, but even more so wanted to talk with him and get his thoughts about the importance and the still relevancy of black newspapers. Well, thank you. I can speak on authoritatively about the black press, in particular about black newspapers. I started my career with the Carolina Times when I was in the sixth grade from Austin, North Carolina. Mr. Lewis Alton, the publisher of the Carolina Times in Durham, allowed me to write editorial when I was in the sixth grade. I've been writing for the black press ever since. But today in 2020, we need the black press more than ever before. There are 230 African-American-owned newspapers currently in America, uh, represented by the NNPA. And I'm so pleased with the North Carolina papers uh, there in Raleigh, the Carolinian, the Carolina Times in Durham, the Wilmington Journal, the Carolina Peacemaker in uh, Greensboro, the Winston-Salem Chronicle, the Charlotte Post and the County News. We've got the Asheville, the Urban Asheville, the Urban News down in Greenville, North Carolina, the Drum. So we are all over the state, the Fayetteville News. We are all over the state and all over the country. And relevancy. We've just seen on Super Tuesday the importance of the black vote. 
And one of the reasons why the black vote was so uh, mobilized this year is because of the black press encouraging our people to vote. And, of course, this is also the census year. Uh, but the black press is out leading, making sure that we are counted and not undercounted in the 2020 census. Dr. Chavis also is the CEO, president CEO of the NNPA. And it's important to also remember that conversation was pre-George Floyd. So as important as the black press uh, has always been and continues to be, even as he mentioned, by way of the primary uh, census, et cetera, even more important right now as we continue to deal with racism in our society. We're moving on to the month of April. Had a chance to catch up with one of the preeminent gospel artists, Kira Clark Shear, joined us on Box to Row back in April. Let, let me take you back a little bit. What did it mean to be on your mother's uh, solo debut album, Finally Karen? Oh, my gosh. It meant a lot. That was like the setup for my career. I was only nine years old, and from that moment on, I have just been working. And uh, that was my mom and my father being such incredible parents where they found a gift in their child and they cultivated it. And that helped me to not have to figure out so much along the way. You know, it was like, here, you got a gift. This is a part of your purpose. You can figure out the rest, but we're going to start here. So that was literally my starting point. And um, I guess I, I, I won't, it won't ever get away from me. I'll always remember it because my fans and my supporters, they have followed me along on the journey. And we've actually grown up together. So we've started at nine years old from listening to each other, you know, as far as the music. And then now we're getting older and we're younger adults. And, and, it, and it's like all it's, it's so special because when I do my concerts, it's like we, we can go down memory lane. Uh, so it's been really dope, but it means a lot to me. And like I said, it was a setup for my career and to this point now. Kira Clark Sheard back in April. Also joining us in the month of April, I'll tell you what, had uh, tried to uh, have as a guest one of the great baseball players of all time, Cal Ripken, on this program. It tried for about seven years. Well, 2020 was our year as the one and only. Cal Ripken joined us here on Box to Row back in April. So was there ever uh, a point that you can remember where the streak may have been in jeopardy? Um, you know, the fallacy of the whole thing is when people say, and, they, and there were people that wrote about it, that I was obsessed with the streak and the streak was all I cared about. and it's, uh, It was almost as if it was a lifelong dream. I, mean, I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be the best baseball player I could be. Uh, I wanted to have more hits than Pete Rose or hit more home runs than Hank Aaron. Some of the things that you look at that uh, are monumental uh, achievements. So um, your your individual accomplishments would, would grow, but it never was the fact that I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going to separate myself from everybody else and go after Lou Gehrig's record. Um, everyday player meant, meant something, and it meant that you played every day. And there was an honor in uh, being there for your team every single day, especially if you were in a position uh, hitting third in the lineup or playing short or Eddie Murray hitting fourth in the lineup and playing first with us. It was an honor. Now, today, the definition of an everyday player has changed a little bit. And uh, so maybe they're expecting 140 games out or 145 games. 
that they can get the most out of those those players. But in in when I came up, you were really a thought uh, to be an everyday player, and that you were you were supposed to go out there and meet the challenges every day. And if that manager put you in the lineup, it wasn't an option. You played, and uh, the managers really created the streak. Cal Ripken joining us here on Box to Row back in April, talking about the streak. We move to the month of May and towards the beginning of the month lost a legendary football coach as Don Shula. Don Shula passed away, had a chance to catch up with Pro Football Hall of Famer Larry Little, who played his collegiate football at Bethune-Cookman, to talk with him about the life and times of Don Shula. You know, I was probably the first Dolphin to meet uh, shoes when he came, we called him shoes. When he came to Miami, uh, I went to his press conference, uh, and uh, the first thing he told me, first thing I said, Coach, uh, my name is Larry Little, and I'm your right guard. First thing he asked me, he said, How much do you weigh? I said, Well, I'm at 285 right now. But he looked at me and walked off and said another word to me. And when I got my reporting letter, that uh, sub of the report, uh, he had my weight to be 265. And I think that's what really propelled me to be a better football player than I was when I first got here in Miami. What were those first couple of, of months, if you will, like leading into uh, that first season with uh, Coach Shula there in Miami? Well, uh, you know, in 1970, the year he came, that was the year uh, the first major NFL strike. And we didn't get to camp until the Sunday before we played our first preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Jacksonville. And I thought it was going to be a breeze week. You know, well, he knows we'll be playing a game, so he's not going to work it that hard. Man, this man came in. We had practice four times a day. <laughs> <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Famer Larry Little on – Don Shula. Continuing in the month of May, Neil Ivey became the first black woman hired as the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame, and she joined us on Botch to Row again back in May to talk about it. For me, I'm, I'm fortunate, and I had the experience of being the first African-American assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies, so this past year, I really learned a lot. I learned about my platform, you know, I, I never really knew, you know, growing up that I could be in this this type of role. And not that, you know, I I think I was so so caught up with just you know school and and basketball or athletics that you never I never knew I never knew that I could be in this this situation. And you know, and I I, I always believe that anything is possible. But the fact that I'm in this role, like I said last year, was an amazing experience just to feel just to, just to be present, just to be present on that bench. I just felt the I felt the love and the support, and I, I I felt the magnitude of my presence. And so now, being the head coach, the first African American female head coach in the in the history of Notre Dame athletics, I'm going to wear that cape every day. You know, I, I, I take pride in it. I'm I'm honored. Um, I'm going to use this platform to impact lives. That's who I am. The essence of what I want to do in this role. And I'm I'm just fortunate to be to be a to be a woman of color in leadership. And I just. I just pray that I make, you know, Coach McGraw proud, and I pray to continue to inspire young girls, young people, any and everywhere to believe in their dreams and to 
to, for them to see me in this role because I think it's really important, and I'm just honored to be to be, to, to be able to, to to wear that cape and to be able to inspire. Notre Dame head women's basketball coach Neil Ivey joining us back in May. Also in May, former NBA champion, NBA All-Star Mo Williams became the head men's basketball coach at Alabama State and had a chance to catch up with him to talk with him about what made Alabama State the right job for him. Well, I, I, absolutely. I mean, the swag is in my blood. My whole family went to the swag. Um, I guarantee you if I wasn't an athlete or as a good of an athlete I was, uh, I would have been at a SWAC institution myself. So that, that bleeds um, through my entire family, starting with my mom, my dad, you know, my sister, my brother, even aunts and cousins. We all got that experience growing up as a kid. I've always experienced those moments going to games, um, experiencing the halftime shows. I mean, there's, there's no greater experience um, as a kid and as an adult to experience those things. I'm ex- that's one thing I'm excited about also. Uh, but the swag is, is 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 dear to my heart. Um, I'm happy. Um, obviously, um, Alabama State blessed me with the opportunity to come run their program. Everything that I've um, experienced in life has been through um, HBCU, especially coming up as a youth. You're locked into Box to Rose 2020 Year End Review Show. I'm your host, Donald Ware. Still to come the month of June. After this small pause for the cause, this is Box to Rose 2020 year-end review. We're back here on Box to Rose. We take a look back at the month of June. Actually, it's our 2020 year-end review show. So, in the month of June, had a chance to catch up with Spike Lee. And I'm going to tell you, I've been trying to catch up with Spike probably since 2008. Well, in June of 2020, was able to catch up with him and talked with him about his days at Morehouse College. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on the radio, on radios all over the nation today, you know, hyping the film The Five Bloods, but thank you for that question. I'm a third-generation Morehouse man. My grandfather and father went to the house. My mother and grandmother went to Spelman across the street. My father was a freshman when Dr. Martin Luther King was a senior. And Martin Luther King III, his son and I, are classmates, the luscious class of 1979. Mm-hmm. What I learned at Morehouse has helped me throughout the rest of my years. I'm 63. The tradition, what you learn about leadership, what you learn about what it is to be a black person in the United States of America. I was taught, you know, not to be shy, to speak your truth, and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges where we went. So, I didn't just go because of, uh, you know, legacy. That would have been my first choice anyway. And I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. Again, Spike Lee talking about his days at Morehouse. Continuing in the month 
of June, we had a chance to catch up with Ari Banks. Now, Ari Banks was the head football coach at South Carolina State during the Orangeburg Massacre back in 1968 and had a chance to talk with him about that time at South Carolina State. I felt very strongly that what was going on in Orangeburg was definitely discrimination at its worst. So I supported the team 100% and trying to move forward with their beliefs and their concern. What, and it's interesting because, as mentioned, we're talking about the bowling alley that was segregated. But, you know, take us back. What, what was Orangeburg, South Carolina like at that time? Well, it was definitely a, a situation where blacks uh, felt they was mistreated in so many different situations. Uh, we had some players uh, from different parts of the country, and some of the players were very, very outspoken in terms of trying to move in the right direction, I felt, and trying to end segregation. It was no question about it that Orangeburg, like a lot of places in South Carolina, was very racial when it comes to giving African-Americans the opportunity to excel and do well in life. And so I supported them 100%. Former South Carolina State head football coach Ari Banks speaking about the time, again, the Orangeburg Massacre going back to 1968. So Ari Banks wrapped up the month of June here on Box to Roar, our 2020 year-end review show. I am your host, Donald Ware, thank you very much for joining us on today. We're going to get ready to wrap it up. Don't forget on next week's program, we're going to take a look back at the month of July through December to also include Robert Covington, who joined us a little bit earlier on in today's program. So again, right here on the station that you're listening to, we're going to take a listen back to the months of July through December in some of our great conversations here on Box to Row, our 2020 or our 2020 year end review show. So again, if you want to hear a lot of these, it's a bit of a teaser, right? Because we, you know, we could only get to so many interviews and uh, just snippets uh, most of the time of those interviews because there's so many. But I'm going to tell you what, July through December, you thought January through June was fire. Wait till you hear July through December. Uh, a lot of interviews, a lot of great interviews, as a matter of fact. And you're going to catch that right here on Box to Row, our 2020 year-end review show, right here on next week. Again, thank you to Robert Covington for joining us on today's program. If you missed uh, this particular show any of our shows over the 20 the year 2020 you can log on to our website at boxtorow.com boxtorow.com download or listen to any of those shows want you to continue to have a merry christmas a wonderful kwanzaa and we'll talk with you next week right before the new year and always remember to support those that 
support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. In my mind.